Welcome to uh, Startup Chats. Hope you hope you're doing well, and uh, and obviously for um, anyone who's tuning in, thanks for uh, thanks for watching. We are we're going live on YouTube, Facebook, Facebook, and a private Facebook group as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm delighted to have uh, Keith Housel from um, Plug and Go. Um, Keith, throw yourself in. Introduce yourself. You. Welcome, to, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> thank you very much and a very good morning to you, Ben. And uh, firstly, I'd just like to thank you for inviting me uh, to attend uh, Startup Tracks with you this morning. It's really, really good to do so. And uh, yeah, so shall I just give you a very quick bit of history of myself? Is that a good plan? Absolutely, because whatever I do, if I'm honest with you, um, I never do it as well as uh, as I'm sure it deserves. So uh, please do um, yeah, feel f- far away. Super. Thank you very much. So I'm Keith Hanksell. I'm the founder and uh, CEO of uh, Plug and Go uh, EV Charging. Uh, so what we do as an EV charging company is that we specialise in funding. Uh, so mainly for local authorities and sort of retail park owners, visitor attractions and what have you, um, where they may not have the capital, especially at this moment in time, to actually invest and deploy EV charging. Uh, we are able, uh, for a majority of the sites we work with, to actually um, fund the project. So it would be uh, typically like a lease agreement with that client. So we'll actually fund the hardware <clears throat> and we'll actually own and operate that hardware all the way through. So that's on a, like a rolling contract. It works really well. So it's actually it's good because we can actually then, especially in these more rural areas, we can actually give the driver, you know, that chance of actually getting to that site to actually charge their EV because rural EV charging is still uh, not really out there as such. And of course, uh, with, you know, the pandemic uh, last year and into this year, uh, we're going to see a lot more staycationing um, happening now to the norm, the norm sort of typical August holiday uh, sort of, you know, retreats over to uh, Europe and everywhere. So what with that, what you are going to find now is we will see more and more drivers staying within the UK. Of course, on the other side of the uh, this handle with the pandemic, uh, we're seeing a lot more people looking to go cleaner and greener with their vehicles. So the uptake in electric vehicles, especially the full battery electric vehicle range, has increased. So what that does mean is we're seeing more electric vehicles now, especially in the rural areas coming along. But of course, again, even they need to charge. So that is so Keith, uh, brilliant. No, thanks, Keith, for giving a um, good good overview of, of you, you and your business. Um, there's so many p- things I want to sort of pick up on there, um, and I'm gonna have to sort of try and um, sort of remember. You know, things like you know, you know, it does. It, there's no outlay initially. Um, you're looking to hit the t- you know rural areas, which I think often get neglected, um, and and of course the whole sort of EV and green energy and, and that whole sector. I think that's a really interesting one to uh, explore a lot further. Um, but before we do. Can we just talk about um, how on earth, you know, Plug and Go started? How on earth you got into it? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I always find that, that you know, that, that story of, you know, how people got into their sector, why they got into it, and, and you know, did they just fall? You know, I find that whole thing really, really fascinating. Um, and I think sometimes it also... You know, there's often a path that we lead, and we don't often know what the path is when we start out on a sort of business and entrepreneurial journey. But sometimes it can take us to you know where we are now. So I think that's that'd be great to sort of briefly just dive into you know your back back story, really. 
No problem. So I won't go. I won't go way, way back because it's a long time, and uh, you probably haven't <laughs> been bored by the time we got there. But um, I suppose probably if I go back a good few years, so I've always tended to um, uh, start up and actually run my own business uh, all the way along, and always have that sort of entrepreneurial spirit uh, with what we do. Um, and then I think one of the key areas we did, which is about 15 years ago now, 20 years ago maybe, we I actually started up a fencing company, a commercial fencing company, doing commercial fencing, not domestic for housing, what have you. And we're very fortunate. We were, you know, it's an area we had good experience with. And that blossomed and blossomed. So it started off with just myself. And then within a couple of months, it was two of us and three of us. Um, then towards the end, I actually had 13 gangs of uh, two blokes uh, on, the, on the road, plus an office for the people to obviously operate the company. Um, now, being 100% honest, two things happened at that point in time. Number one, obviously, the company was running itself. So I was not looking for something new, but I was always sort of, you know, keeping a mindful eye on what was over there. And uh, secondly, we actually had one of our competitors that was quite keen to, to take us out and uh, buy us up. Um, then it was about like, six months after you know that mindset had started to you know come along. A young gentleman came and saw me, and he, he was after some investment for uh, to actually go into wind energy. And this was just at the start of this smaller uh, on on farm, it's like on land uh, wind generation in the UK started. So. I um, looked at his business plan and I realized quite quickly he had that he had the experience to actually do the work and actually what we needed to bring in the company. But he didn't actually have that much skill set around actually building the company. So I said to him, look, I said, I'll, you know, we put the money up. And I said, but I think, you know, we're going a partnership instead of me just funding you. And we actually were a very good little dream team. And um, so we actually started with the wind, uh, you know, on short wind energy industry. And that was typically the smaller turbine, sort of 15 through to 250 kilowatts. And that um, quite a lot of our stuff there is all sort of North Devon, North Cornwall, uh, typically on farm and or in small holdings and sort of some community groups. So while that was all going on, um, then actually we had a, a quite a good offer in for uh, our commercial fencing business. So it was time to, you know, that baby had grown. So it's time to let that one go. So that went and uh, all the team moved across to the new owners and went very well and still going very well today. Um, so then with the wind industry, then that actually then gave me a lot of time to actually get me, you know, get me teeth right into that sector. So, yeah, we blossomed and blossomed with that over a good sort of five, six year period. Um, and we have some very nice projects. You know, we actually work with uh, Cornish Natural Spring Water, who actually bottle the uh, uh, quite a lot of spring water for different companies. But some of it is actually for the RNLI. So we were quite proud to be able to put two uh, turbines in for them. So most of the power that actually bottles that water now is coming from the turbines that we installed. So it's quite nice to do that. And again, you know, I always like to get my hands dirty because it's the best way to always learn. So, um, yeah, uh, it was quite good being down there in the depths of winter installing wind turbines in the middle of fields. Uh, quite a exciting challenge. Um, and then basically, and regrettably, as quite a lot of people know, the in the UK, the sort of uh, 
the uh, grant funding, so to speak, or the payments then, uh, that would come back for wind generation and also the PV production disappeared uh, over a short space of time uh, in the UK. So uh, a lot of companies actually did sort of not make it all the way through. Um, we are still around doing that. That's not through plug and go. Uh, but obviously what we have been good at doing is actually looking after those clients as we went along. Um, regrettably, though, you know, the, that whole industry has disappeared completely now. So all the manufacturers that were there have all closed the doors and they're no longer doing what they did. Um, so it's been, you know, been an interesting challenge. Um, but luckily, during that time, we had actually, you know, quite a few people said to us, right, we're producing this power. But typically with wind power, you're producing it at the wrong time. You know, when the wind's blowing, you quite often don't need it. So we then looked at, well, how do we harness this? How do we make it better? So we have done quite a bit of battery storage work and actually power management on quite a lot of those sites. During that time, uh, then EV, you know, EV started to appear on, you know, in the world. And, um, you know, so some of those clients said to us, well, look, you know, we want EV charging now, and let's, let's get on with that. So we sort of naturally just stepped our way along, you know, on that journey. And then um, it was back in 2017 now, uh, we were sat in front of quite a few local authorities that, you know, they said, right, we've been towed. We have to put electric vehicle charging in. We know what we need to do. The problem is the budget is within the road budget or it's within this budget, and the budget is going to be completely taken by roads or whatever. So we had quite a lot of yes but no's, if, you, if that makes sense. So hence where I realised actually we need to find the answer to that. So with the entrepreneurial spirit hat on now, um, started to think, well, how do we you know uh, do this? So. Uh, I was very lucky. I met uh, my co-partner, uh, uh, Tim Revel, uh, met up with him and uh, explained to Tim what the problem was. And he said, look, why don't I come on board and help you? Luckily, we both have different skill sets. So I'm very good at building businesses from scratch, hands on and, you know, can turn my hand to most things within reason. And um, Tim actually was very good. He's come from a financial and legal background. <clears throat> Pardon me. So he's actually brought very great experience and between the two of us has actually allowed us now to actually, you know, blossom uh, to what we do. Um, and then weirdly, we still have my other little company that does the battery storage side. That's still going. Uh, but that's quite a quiet area at the moment. It's quite a bit of domestic, but we've always have had a focus in the commercial space. And uh, that pretty much takes you through to where we are today. Fantastic, fantastic. There's a lot to uh, unpick um, across that whole journey, but you can certainly see that path that you took from... Um starting your entrepreneur journey the business and progressing into the clean energy and, and where you are now without a doubt i think you know we, you know from a consumer perspective you you know we can everyone can see how electric vehicles are just going to sort of take over and i think it's going to happen a lot quicker than people are possibly expecting um i know there's um is it 2030 the the uk government are is it banning all petrol and diesel sales is that right something like that that's correct um, yes it was 2035 yeah. and it's got brought down to 2030 and it's interesting you know that sort of did sort of spur on quite a few people that have been sort of you know okay it's not just yet you know i think they've all of a sudden realized well actually it's only you know eight and a half years away and uh, what we're going to do you know it's um so yeah it is definitely a, a faster moving area now definitely and i guess i guess the question is um you know for, for you and and your business i mean what i want to do because obviously this is startup chats and the the, the a big focus that i want to 
talk about is that whole sort of uh, pre-launch phase and and the marketing because I think you know we want to try and share those sort of insights and both good and bad because I think you know we got to we never get everything right and I think you can always learn lessons from you know probably more from the mistakes that you make than 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 what went well necessarily. But um, I'm intrigued about the whole sort of um, sector. So maybe we'll just talk a bit more about the sector where the opportunities lie, the competition, and, and that'd be great. So no doubt, you know, there's, there's I'm guessing there's lots of competition out there. Um, how is it going to get um, oversaturated your market or, or is there still plenty of opportunity out there? So at the moment, and a very good question. So at the moment, yes, there's, there's quite a lot of opportunity around. Um, the interesting thing, so we have a lot of the competitors in this space, especially if we, uh, cherry pick out the funded side so obviously there's i think there's about five companies that offer a funded type solution whether that is through lease or concession uh, they sort of all vary slightly but i would say three and a half of those only focus on the dc charging the rapid charging network so that would be typically anything from 50 kilowatt upwards uh, per charger all of our charging points are in the ac space so that is typically uh, seven through to 22, although we do now run some uh, small uh, 25 kilowatt DC chargers on some of our locations. Interestingly, so with us being focused, especially in that more rural area or the sort of smaller market towns, the problems you get is the for an uh, for a DC charging space, even if you were most sites would put in say two 50 kilowatt chargers as standard. So if you look at quite a lot of the you know that space is filled with all two chargers per per location, um, that's 100 kilowatts of power, and a lot of those sites haven't got that much power. So when you get you know if you go out to North Devon for instance, you know you're starting to want to put in you know three car parks worth that's 300 kilowatts. The, quite often you'll find a there is not enough power into location and or the transformer and or the network is not big enough to take that so where we have the an added advantage is of course you know we can actually run down in that smaller area so if we were to put a dual 22 kilowatt charge point in which we would do typically that's you know 44 kilowatts now some of our sites have a little bit less power than that but what we can do with our charging points is we can load manage so it actually works out which cars plugged in how much power they do need each and it actually balances the load so we can actually quite often we can get into sort of quite restricted areas for power with our charging points for that reason now of course one key thing and uh, is to note is that um sort of payback so we have a lot of the bigger dc before we dive into the payback is it if it's all right i just want to dive into what you're just mentioning there um does that does that mean um you can effectively provide because you're offering a low power level can you provide more of them to more people is that Yes. effectively whereas you know if you if you're saying oh we only go for high end like the teslas or i know the teslas have their own but you, you know you're, you're higher end more power you're going to be oh we, we can only provide two at this site because that's all we can actually fulfill is that what's happening on the ground yes. if that makes sense it does no very much so and then what we can do uh and quite rightly so if you look at um our uh, Brittany ferry site down in uh, plymouth for instance uh, that's been developed for uh 
quite a few more charges than we actually have the raw power to do so. So uh, what we will do long term, so at the moment, this setup is 22 kilowatts on each charging point. But what we will do is when we develop this second phase of that site, is that we will actually have the fast, faster charging base and a slower charging base. So then, you know, the driver will then choose which one he's going to go on to. One uh, quick... Oh, sorry, Keith, carry on, yep. So one quick side note, just to mention, so on the power side, um, so although we might put in 22 kilowatts for AC, there's only a small handful of vehicles that actually would take that much power. Most of the cars typically on the AC charging side would take somewhere around seven, depends which car it is, you know, sort of seven, 7.1, 7.2, 7.3, they all differ slightly. So even though we offer 20, up to 22 kilowatts per charge point quite often you might get say two jaguar ride paces pull up and they'll be only drawing 14 between the two of them and that's because their vehicle was sort of restricted to whatever yeah it yeah. is i guess um, out of interest just um um what happens when the infrastructure gets better? So you know, you're you mentioning about, was it the generators or whatever it is, the infrastructure that enables more power to come in? What happens then? Is it easy for you to upgrade the, or is that a problem that you could have to figure out and overcome, you know, 10, five, 10 years down the road? Yeah, that's true. So typically, yeah, some of it will be, we would never, you know, none of us would get any more power to those locations typically than we're, what we're seeing at the moment. Um, however, you know, if you look at Hinkley, uh, so Hinkley Point, when that comes online, uh, that actually will change, uh, I think, quite a lot of dynamics for Western Power, sort of in that sort of South Wales and then down around into, you know, the Southwest. Uh, that yeah. will change some of their constraints. I know we've got a couple of sites there that, at the moment, we have a no-go uh, because there is no power, even for us. Uh, but, in, you know, when that's finished and online and they've then done their upgrade works, you know, it could be seven, eight years away, but then we will have the power to do what we need to do. And very quickly on that note, uh, of course, what we are able to do as well, and as we alluded to earlier, there's quite a lot of renewable generation, especially in Devon and Cornwall. And what we are able to do is tap into that. So if we're if we're close enough to a supply of wind and or solar, uh, we can actually utilize that with our charging points as well. Fantastic, fantastic. So just to summarize, effectively, the existing sites are highly unlikely, if not never, going to upgrade. But it's those new sites which they they can have better infrastructure, which can then you know deliver more power. So yeah. so in a way, it's a problem that you haven't really got to worry about. No, 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 no. So we always try to cover ourselves anyway. So even when we do our grid connections now, we always, you know, we always look to to maximize the best we can on each location for the future. Yeah, perfect. And um, and just and again, I want to talk again to the sort of the you know the marketing and how you launched and all the rest. That'd be really great. But um, I think it's really interesting and, and and fantastic how you're also sort of focusing your audience. And, and actually, this is relevant to marketing because you know I always tell people you know it's absolutely vital to be completely laser focused on who your audience is because it helps you target everything whether you're messaging your marketing and everything and i think it's really interesting how you are focused on the, the more rural sector um would you say that is solely your focus or are you are you also trying to get into this the, you know the bigger urban areas well, and actually, a very good question. And actually, so uh, a, a sort of dual, a dual answer to that one then. So firstly, um, yeah, we, we have found we're better to do, and I 
uh, use the old terminology here, we're better off to do a rifle shot than you are to do uh, a scattergun approach. Because uh, obviously the scattergun, you just sort of get, you know, lost in the, you know, lost in space really a little bit. Uh, at least with the rifle shot, you sort of tend to hit straight where your market area is going to be. And um, what you always find, you know, as you probably experienced as well, Ben, with a lot of marketing, you know, it's quite easy. If you, oh, let's go and tap that. Let's go and do this. Let's go and do that. Let's break that on. And actually, yeah. you, you quite unknowingly, you quite quickly sort of get away from your, your sort of main USP message you're trying to get out there. And the second part of that answer is as well, what we do find is, um, you know, we, we tend to know where, you know, those areas are a bit quieter. We're, we're able to do quite a bit of in-depth research, you know, to vehicle registrations, who, who else has actually already got charging points in that area. And that allows us to sort of, within reason, uh, sort of, you know, make it a little bit more refined. And that's why, you know, a lot of people see us on like LinkedIn and social media. We have a, a good little Cornish company that looks after us uh, on that side. Um, but yeah, it's we we do try to keep it focused the best we can. Having said that, you know, um, I try to once a month, I always try to take half a day out and I'll actually just, you know, physically sit there and just look to see what else, you know, who else is doing what, where else they are. And not are we missing a trick, but actually have we missed an area or is this something we should be, you know, boating on to? And even more so with the pandemic, you know, how that's changing people's lives, you know, not just in the UK, but around the world. But it's interesting to see how those demographics are changing. And even uh, because we can obviously see each charging event on each of our charging points. And it's really interesting. You can actually see how they, you know, how they fluctuate with, you know, what's going on in the area and how the pandemic's coming out as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I, th I think picking up a couple of points, I think it's really, really good and, and to, you know, always look at your competitors um, and, you know, good and bad. And, and, you know, it just keeps, you know, you on the ball, keeps an eye what's happening in the marketplace and all the rest of it. And that's applicable whether you're starting out or indeed, you know, an existing established business. Um, interestingly, you sort of pick up on the, the pandemic. I wonder how that's impacting, um, obviously it's impacting a lot of sectors and a lot of industries. Um, I'd imagine it's also impacting possibly your sector with less people having to sort of drive into work and all the rest of it. H how are you seeing that? And how do you see that moving forward? Because I'd imagine people are also going to be spending a lot more time possibly working from home remotely now. Um, obviously, I think there will be a, an element of people going back to normality. So how do you see that sort of panning out for you guys? No, exactly. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so interesting when you a very quick little couple of stats uh, within reason so when you look at the you know the first sort of wave of the pandemic you know we went from you know probably typically each site getting at least you know two charging events per day to zero and that stayed pretty much like that all the way through uh, what we were finding was we had you know more of the um sort of dedicated you know workers that would actually you know for instance, we go to a retail store and we'll plug in. And uh, during the first pandemic, there's obviously been a bit different. Uh, sorry, the first phase of the pandemic, it's been a bit different to the second phase. But in the first one, we did actually um, reduce that, you know, give our, our charging out for free. Uh, you know, well, you know, we had those essential workers only going to be out on the road. Um, then, you know, which is good. You know, it's a good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and and then now as the second pandemic's come in, now obviously we, we are still seeing quite a bit of activity. Um, but it's interesting because we, you know, as the, as people were allowed back out again, especially after the first one, yeah, you it quite quickly rose back up again. It's quite interesting to see how it moved. And um, but what we have done 
is when you look at us as a company, we tend to look after, say, visitor centers. You know, we got some pub chains we we, look, we we work with, hotels, and obviously like retail, like East of England Cooperative, for instance, we look after all their charging points. And um, what we have done now is actually we have just temporarily shifted doing a deployment with hotels and pubs and those sort of areas. Uh, we still will go and look after them when the time's right, but we've now actually moved our focus to those sort of retail areas um, because that's actually where you're going to see more drivers going to now. And they need to be able to, you know, the ones that cannot charge at home because there's still a lot of, there's still a high percentage of people that um, have no ability to actually charge at home will actually need to charge at those locations. So for us to make certain we're looking after those areas is, is quite a good thing for us to do. No, it makes a lot of sense. Do you see a, a, a day when you know every car park space in a, in a you know in a big sort of typical car park literally has its own charger? Is that is that day potentially coming? Um, it's, it's a very good question. In, in, you know, I think everyone would love that to happen, but I think you are fine. You know, you are probably in the moment. Some of our car parks we are designing to take out to say ten percent of occupancy with EV charging, although you won't deploy all that at the get-go uh, you just deploy you know and then we obviously build out as we see uh demand you know creeping up so we we know and also we can see if we've had someone waiting to charge then that's another telltale sign that actually we're probably ready to put the next set of charges in um all our sites by the way our, our main car park sites will be future proof so uh, our main power supply has already been pre-wired ready for all the charges and all the foundations and ducting is already below ground. So it's a very quick process for us to pop back and actually put the next set of charges in. Um, there are some, um, with the building instructives, you know, there are some uh, areas coming through where you will have to, when you build new properties now, commercial properties and or car parks, there is a criteria coming through that you will have to have so many car parking bays designated for EV charging. And some of the planning authorities are already requesting this. It's interesting. And um, when you look at your sort of, um, I guess, your marketing message and your communications, has that evolved since the day when you sort of first launched to, to what it is now? Oh, very much so. No, I totally agree with you. When we first launched, uh, you know, it was very much to sort of start to build that message. And that actually allowed us to realize uh, quite quickly um, what we needed to be, you know, what our touch points needed to be. And it's amazing how it does evolve. You know, if you look at the last two years, um, you know, our messaging's changed quite a bit now uh, from what we were putting. You know, we weren't putting anything wrong out, but it's obviously the market's just moving. And, you know, when I say that, it's not just the uh, EV charging size, actually the vehicles, the user demographics, you know, how and where they charge. And um, I think now it's actually one of the key things is making users, letting users, sorry, users need to be aware that where the charging points are. You know, most people will use that map, but there's some people that will visit another area, you know, went there on a full charge, needed to a top up. And you just need to make certain that location people know it's there. So they say, oh, yeah, actually, you know, what pop down to X, you know, you can just plug in there. And um, so that's quite a key thing for us to do is to build that sort of journey planning for them. How, how do you go about, um, I guess, building, um, I mean, obviously your clients, and this is interesting for anyone, I think, listening, um, there's a difference between your target audience in terms of the client's you know, they are like the you know local authorities or the you know the commercial big industrial 
not industrial, but you know, commercial retail and and all, all the place, you know, um, shopping centers, I guessing, and and supermarkets and all, all that type of thing. So that's your audience that you want to sign up and do it. Obviously, then it's another audience who you want to be using it. I guess. I guess the question I'm asking is: Do you have to, with with any of your communications and your marketing, um, or within what you're thinking, do you have to sort of position or do brand awareness campaigns to the the users who are actually going to be using them, um, or ultimately it's almost like, well, we've got to put the infrastructure in here. There's there's no other choice. It's not like you know you go to a supermarket and you can buy a Mars bar or a Twix. Is the choice there? Um, you either buy one or the other and that's usually based on brand and which one maybe you like and which one you know it's the same with buying a pair of trainers do you buy nike or adidas and you know sometimes people attract to a brand are, are, are you is like i'm sort of thinking within your sector that you don't have to worry about that side of things and that all your communication and your messaging has can should only be focused towards the the bigger organization who's actually going to be plugging into your system effectively no, exactly. So what we tend to do, so the, uh, typically, on a, especially on a new area where there isn't too much in there, we normally do quite a bit of pre, pre-work, especially in the car park. And that's actually where you get quite a lot of, you know, people say, well, that's interesting. So we'll actually have typically a picture of the, you know, a cutout of the charging point that's going to be there. And so, you know, just so you know, you know, we'll be bringing these charges here to you soon. Uh, that works quite well. That builds, you know, good bit of, you know, local uh, traffic. Uh, we are, Sometimes we do, especially as a fresh area, we'll do some um, mail shop marketing, uh, not the normal sort of horrible ones you get through 10 of them in the post at once. Uh, we tend to do a, a slightly different approach to that. Um, but we also see on a roaming platform so there we have our own back office and all our charging points are sat on that back office um we actually roam so what that means is we roam with uh, some of the other networks in the uk so like zapmap for instance uh, which is probably at most people's go-to say right i'm going to ipswich where can i charge and i'm staying here or i'm visiting here you know which ones and um so that's quite a good advertising channel for us uh, because obviously anyone then looking will see it. Um, we're also then interesting. So we're on the Google Maps uh, EV mapping. So even most electric cars now have those built in into standard. So as you're driving towards one any charging point, including ours, obviously it'll pop up on the map. Say plug and go charger here or EV charger here. And um, again, you know, we've uh, we also with our own app and our, we have our own map on that. So obviously a lot of people we've got you know over a thousand registered users now on that. So uh, they all you know can see where all our charging network is. Fantastic. Um, so when you go and sort of target a new a new area, um, what does that specifically look like? Because I guess in, in a way that that's almost like a, a pre-launch phase to a new area. And I know we haven't really dived too much into the pre-launch of your specific business yet. And that'd be, that'd be interesting to talk about. But while we're on this sort of subject, when you launch into a new area, it, I guess it's a little bit like a a pre-launch phase where you're planning saying right okay how are we going to target this new new area i don't know in staffordshire or, or wherever it, <laughs> wherever it is um what what does that sort of look like yeah so basically what we do we do uh, we do quite a bit of a uh, detailed analysis on you know all of our sites to be honest we actually go through um what we class as a risk committee so we actually make certain we, you know, we get together first and we understand all our expenses and what's going to cost us to do that site what we would expect is footfall traffic so ideally you know ideally people are going to be plugging in um you'll never see it high to start with because people got to you know get used to it and get using it um and then also what we do do is we tend to 
try and find like an ambassador in each location. So it might be someone that's retired or, you know, has an interest and keen to do so. And basically what we do is we would talk to them and say, well, look, you know, what, what should we be doing in this area? You know, they might say, well, actually, you know, you need to be down the pub, you know, seeing, talking to the guys or there's a meeting, you know, once a quarter or there's a group or it's a Facebook group or WhatsApp group, you know, that's where I would be telling people. And uh, so we tend to sort of pick up that, try to pick up that local knowledge in each, you know, each location. And that actually does help us quite a bit because it then formulates a, you know, where we're going to sort of put our charges and it helps us also to find a little bit type of speed of the charger we need to put in and that allows us to go step stone process uh to that and then so before we actually sort of really put our hand in our pocket we've got a good handle on a what's going to cost us b where we're going to put it what how we're going to develop the site and again you know how we're going to market it and then it's that you know, and we have found doing that pre-marketing launch works really well because it sort of starts to build that momentum. And then it's getting into the, you know, there was a parish magazine or the local the localized paper, you know, all those sort of things. And again, yeah, we work with also social um, uh, media down in uh, Cornwall, down in Penryn. And Catherine and the team down there look after us really well. And they specialize in, you know, a lot of the Facebook and uh, for us, Twitter and also some LinkedIn. And um, so it's been quite good for us. So we can sort of target those local groups in each area then say, you know, we're coming. And if you want to use it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the other thing that is quite good. So with the plugging, with all these uh, EV charging ones at the moment, where you uh uh, you know, you can pay contactless on the D most of the DC charges now, but uh, the rest of them, yeah, you would just need to, you know, sign up for the back office app. There's no cost to that. So they'll just sign up. And then we normally just say, people, look, get yourself signed up and get yourself ready. And then, you know, because what we are able to do then is let them know when the charging points are going live, uh, which is really, really good. Fantastic. And is this done before you've got the green light from, i.e., the local authority that they, you can put them in that car park? Um, or is this once you know that you've been given the green light? Do, do you, I guess the question is, do you sort of try and get momentum within a target area, within a location, before you've been given the green light to help with that almost pitch when you go and approach them? Or do you, or do you pitch them first, get them to give you the green light, and then start that sort of I guess, uh, you know, pre-launch phase. No, you are quite right. So um, we tend to, and interestingly, some of the local authorities we work with, they have a very active, you know, a climate uh, change officer or someone in that field or someone that's dedicated to the EV side. So we tend to find that uh, you are quite right that we will, start to actually build that momentum early doors so some sites we don't we have to wait until you know that's signed on the dotted line so to speak but now other sites where there's you know especially where some of them are getting a lot of pressure uh so well look you know you were told two years ago to get ev charging and you haven't why not you know and uh so quite exactly. often yeah exactly so yeah, exactly. But quite handily, we are able then to sort of work with them and say, look, you know, we're this is what we're looking at doing. This is what we're hoping to put in here for you, you know, subject to X, Y, and Z. And we are able to start that process. And, and do you find there's, there's once you start that conversation with um, wh whoever it is, it, the barriers to them saying yes are, are significantly lower because ultimately they don't have to put their hand in the pocket right now. 
Um, because when you were explaining at the beginning, it, it seemed to be almost like a no-brainer. You know, <laughs> you, you, you know, basically, it's a win-win situation. Um, exactly. And it, you it are right. Yeah, yeah, you are right. So when we, you know, when we first, you know, in our first year, you know, it was interesting. You could sit. We sat in front of some, you know, some very good you know, clients that we're working with today still. And um, but you know, they always say, "Well, what's the catch?" You know, it's uh, you never get something for nothing. And um, we said, well, you know, it, the, the point is of us as a 10 year contract, we don't do anything less. So, you know, that is not as a catch, um, but that, you know, it will probably take us seven to eight years to, you know, see our realization on our capital investment uh, to some of these sites. So, um, yeah. So for them, yeah, that is where we why we need 10 years. But it is just quite a good, steady process. And it's I think. Once we had the first few away, it's easier then to say if you're talking to the next climate change officer at another local authority, say, well, look, give, you know, give Doug a ring or, you know, speak to this chap or speak to this lady. And they will tell you we've just been through the process. And we have found that has been, you know, quite good uh, to actually then say, look, you know, uh, have these recommendations. We won't be involved. You just phone them up, talk to them. And that's been a, that's been a great help for us, to be honest. Fantastic. And as you're targeting, I guess, the more rural locations, does that mean there's less competition? Or are you are you finding that when you're talking to these organizations that, you know, your other competitors are doing the same and they're, I guess, weighing one over the other? How does that look? You know, actually, typically at the moment, um, yeah, you know, we are going to see that change you know it's not like we have a you know we've got a complete clean uh, sort of territory just to go in you know to go into um i think with some of our you know if there's a couple of other competitors in the ac space some of those at the moment obviously you know very active um in the you know in the main conurbations you know like london and birmingham and manchester and bristol there's some really nice projects even exeter and plymouth so a lot of those are you know busy enough doing those sort of contracts and to be honest you know they're picking up contracts probably for you know say 10 years but it could be 300 charges over 10 years where with some of ours you know you might only see six in 10 years but um but then we re we realized that if you don't go and pick up on those areas and serve the weak areas where there is well i mean weak it's weak in charging at the moment um then they're never going to get them so it's been quite handy for us to go and do that and of course uh, if you, I think North Devon recently, they're looking at doing a, a DC uh, fast rollout uh, to some of their car parks uh, where they have got power. But of course, then you've got the other car parks, um, which they could put AC in. And the trouble, I shouldn't say a trouble, but what you find with more remote DC charging is quite often if you can only put two in and you've got 30 cars coming for Easter weekend. Yeah. yeah. You can only charge one at a time on each. Um, granted, we can only charge one on a time on each socket on ours. But if you've got, you know, if you've got DC and there's a queue there, uh, you, you know, some people say, well, actually, only what an hour. So I'll go to the AC round the corner, plug into that and take an hour. And that's what we're there for. Yeah, and no, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I'd imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but by almost targeting this, the, I guess, the smaller fruit now rather than those big juicy plums that maybe everyone's chasing by getting in there and maybe only putting in three, four, five, six in five years time, they might come back to you and say, uh, we we've got over, you know, got loads of people asking for it now. Can you put in another 10 and then another five and another. So I, I that's 
it's almost like a small acorn that grows. So it's, if you can, like, exactly. it's almost like a land grab now, isn't it? That's what it's. It feels like it's like you got to go move as fast as you can, land grab as much as you can, even if it's small, but that can grow. So exactly. it, it, it's it's almost like a you know like a got to move as quick as possible and <laughs> get get as much as possible because it's, you're looking for the next five ten years, aren't you? Yes, you are. No, exactly, and that's the beauty. So yeah, we you know because we. You know, if it was say like you know five years time, they come back and say right, we want another three car parks done. This, that, and that. They've they've already you know you've built that trust. You know they they trust you. You know you can do what you do, and they you know you know you're doing the right job for them. And you know yeah. that's key. And uh, one thing I would actually point out uh, at this point in time, which is quite uh, interesting, is we have um so obviously we have a twenty four seven call center with all of our charges. And we actually have a, a dedicated policy that if someone gets to one of our charging points, typically it's an evening or a weekend, and there is a problem. You know, sometimes it might be their debit card has been declined on the on the charger or the fob didn't work or the app didn't start the charge properly. Uh, we actually are able to start the charges remotely. So we actually have a policy that if someone's in need, uh, that you know, obviously, if someone does it every week, you, we soon know because we know who the driver is. But um, we have a dedicated policy that within our team that they will be given a, a started charge for free. And um, you know, interestingly, we had uh, 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 back in the summer we had someone come off the uh, ferry in Plymouth, and uh, the ferry uh, only comes in about half one in the morning, and um, the driver had come off and needed power. But uh, they uh, unfortunately didn't realise he had to download the app, and they were not a, they were not a UK citizen, so they were, I think they're from Spain from memory, and um, so they called up the helpline and uh, they said, look, no problem, you know, it's you know we realise you need this, and uh, we'll give you a charge, and we just gave them the charge, and the guy you know came back to us straight away and said, well, how much do I owe you? And it was only eight quid, you know, and we said, look. It's you know it was on us you know and uh, but now he's actually registered and he's used them he's used quite a few of our charging points again since but it's it's where you look after the clients you know the at the end of the day the real client is actually the car driver and that's the one we got to look after. Well, this is interesting, isn't it? It, it is interesting when you start thinking you start breaking it down and you start thinking yes you know ultimately the clients are the people that you want to sign up and, and, you know, have the infrastructure instilled and installed. Sorry. And, and that's who you're focused on and, and, and what have you, because ultimately, you know, if somebody needs a charge and they're in a bit car park, well, they're going to use what's there. There's only going to be one choice, but, but I think this is when things will evolve that. And I think you just touched on that where you're, you're absolutely right. You want to build that relationship with those individual car users and the the bigger your network gets, you know, people start and across the country because you know now there isn't much of a choice. You know, you go to that car park and, and that's it. But it will get to a point when there's two car parks next to each other. One's using plug and go. One's using somebody else. And actually, if you know plug and go, for example, has a much better sort of connection with their audience and their customers and service and all that, they're going to start using. The, you know they'll go to that car park instead of the other one and i think that will emerge in 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 time um but i think it's important not to 
take it for granted now, if that makes sense. Now is almost the time to build that um, advocacy and and those sort of uh, people who are going to you know praise about your products and service and all you know all of those things. Um, not only for the future, but also you know th they're the ones that could be making those decisions. You know in those local authorities, in those, you know, yes. uh, yeah. retail parks and all the rest of it. You just don't know who's using your products and service ultimately. Um, so I think that's a, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? To never ignore the other side of, of the coin, if that makes sense, in terms of your communications. So yeah. I think that's a really, that's an interesting one. It's probably a, a, a longer game to a certain extent. But actually, I think it's potentially much more valuable, actually um because you're building brands and brands you know can get just go off the charts in terms of value um and, and i don't again if you're you know maybe looking to sell in the future you know if, if there's a bigger brand then you know that's going to be worth something um so yeah that's it's really interesting again i think it's really important for people to think for their own businesses what you know how, how they you know communicate is it just their sole client and, and ignore everybody else or are there nuances that need to be considered no i say no must admit, you are quite right so uh, and actually for some of your other sort of entrepreneurs that are listening in you know or and or will play this back and listen uh one thing i've always learned all the way through is it's you know it's always the customer it's the end person you've got to look after and because uh, at the end of the day you know yes you might have sold your product to somebody else who is you know maybe the landowner or however it is but if you're offering a service you know the, the better you can look after that client doesn't matter how difficult you know each one can be because you you will have some you know uh, not problem ones but some that need a lot more attention than the others uh, but it's a key thing if you can look after them and i think people appreciate especially nowadays if you if you go the extra mile for them and it's not you know, in one way, it's not all about take. You've got to do a little bit of giving. And that's why, even with our charging, you know, if someone's got a problem with one of our charge points, A, they shouldn't have had a problem with one of our charge points. And we find out why and where was the problem. And then, obviously, but you know, make certain they can get a charge. Because, you know, if it's a battery electric vehicle, once it's empty, there's no other option. You know, you have to have a charge or recovery truck. So for us, you know, it's making certain, especially in that rural area. So um, a very boring fact, but even our um, our SIMs in all of our, because each uh, charging point has a SIM in it. So uh, they, even those, we actually use full roaming SIMs in every area. So uh, with one company and they specialize in this industry. Um, but for us, you know, we can log in real time. We can see what our SIM SIM is doing on each charging point and the charging point, and actually if the car's connected, not connected, what's taken, blah blah blah. So for us to be able to look after the client is, you know, is a key thing. And you know, whether it's my fencing days, whether it's through wind, you know, what have you, you know. And, and interestingly, um, not going off on the side note as such, but in the wind industry, you know, where you've got a team you know, that come with the, with the wind turbine supplier to actually do the installation. I was quite, you know, surprised the number of people that was blown away that I actually was on site as well, you know, not in a suit, just in my ready boots and me, you know, my jeans and my jacket. I was out there and, you know, mucking in. And, um, you know, I really, really, A, I really enjoyed it. B, you get a better experience of actually when you're talking to the next customer, what really happens. But they were quite surprised, you know, and some of them had uh, some other wind turbines, some others. And, yeah, once uh, once a guy's been there, you never see him again, you know. And uh, they were quite surprised in, 
you know, you go to Royal Cornwall show, for instance, even now, you know, there's people that had turbines, you know, through me, you know, 10 years ago. And, you know, even now is how you're doing, shake your hand. And, you know, if you're at the, you know, if you're at the bar, they'll buy you a pint of tribute or something, you know, they're yeah. always pleased to see you. And it's key. I think that goes, I think, honestly, I think it's, it's, sometimes underestimated how those little things make such a big difference um on, on various levels and and not being too high and mighty to think i'm above that um whether it's the boss doing the hoovering in the office or yeah. down and dirty you know on site um i think it, it i think as a leader you've got to lead by example and never ask somebody to do something that you're not prepared to do yourself um, i think that's absolutely critical um but but the other point that you mentioned how that goodwill ha has been developed just by your personal relationships you know the great thing with that is you know it doesn't matter that you've moved to a different you know business those people will know that guy is a good guy and you know what they'll you know if they need you they'll come over to your new business and you know they'll be using you above somebody else um and i think again that's can't be underestimated um the little things matter they do no and you're very true so if you know if you look back at say some of our wind turbine clients you know we've got moved into battery storage with them because that's what they needed and some of them have actually got our charging points now and some of them you know we might be very close to them in territory wise and oh you know do you know roger oh yeah yeah you know and it's interesting how you know we did turbine for him so it's just interesting you know and because you've got that good rapport and you've always do your best to look after that person all the way through if they went and saw for argument say roger then he's not going to say oh yeah don't touch them you know so actually you know they've always looked after me and you know if i picked up the phone even if something's wrong they always do their best to sort it and that's that's quite key really no, hundred percent, hundred percent. So let's just r roll it back briefly. Um, what was the date that you started the business? So the Pug and Go we started in twenty seventeen, which seems ages ago now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, time goes quick, doesn't it? Time goes quick, but nice. and that's, which can happen as well. That's the thing. Yes, no, very much so. Yeah, and regrettably, you know, I think most businesses last year, uh, apart from Amazon, I think, but most businesses last year, you know, pretty much within reason, sort of not wrote the year off as completely but you know it's a year that you know everything was disrupted and um i think you know even for us as we go into the second pandemic area now you know second lockdown and all the concerns with the new you know variants coming through it's i think because we learned in the first period has actually helped us now to actually you know work cleaner and easier on the second one and i think everyone's much more used to it so for instance you know if you look pre-covid then you know uh, most people want to see you face to face you know even if it's just a quick chat to build that sort of relationship but it's it's quite good now that a lot of people have moved on to zoom even you know even the older generation which is really good you know they're very comfortable with zoom now and they're quite handy you know are very pleased that they're you know still have that dialogue and still see your face um as you can see mine's not that pretty but i do try and um, <laughs> <laughs> don't underestimate yourself come on <laughs> <laughs> but um thank you but uh, yeah so we we find this quite good so you can still sort of keep that continuity and um we're fortunate i think for some of our clients that we knew them you know before you know pandemic arrived so it's been a lot easier to sort of keep that flow going through 
Yeah, and I've said I've said this before. I mean, there's nothing quite like meeting people face to face, hundred percent. And it'd be great to have a part of tribute with you one day, Keith. Definitely. Yeah, excellent. Um, but you know, this is such a great way to sort of replicate it rather than on the telephone. Um, and like I said, it doesn't replace it, but it does create a lot of efficiency. You know, the, you know, having to, you know, when I first started doing, you know, um, some sort of podcasting and, and things like that way back a couple, couple of years ago, um, and I was talking about slightly different topics, you know, it was a real effort to either get guests to me or me having to go to guests. And it, it just that was a barrier in terms of being able to do that type of business or whatever you want to call it, you know, but now, you know, because of what's happened, people are much more willing, accepting, um, and it's like the norm. But, and I think this is the point that, you know, if we can think about how we can be more efficient in business and, and what, you know, when this pandemic's over that I, th I think this type of thing will carry on and continue um, because it's just much more efficient. It's a better use of time. And, but we will still meet in, in the real world at some point, but probably less so. Um, so as much as it's been bad for so many reasons, I think it's, it's not only accelerated the process, but I think it's accelerated the process for good. No, I totally agree with you. No, very much. No, we're, we're definitely seeing that now. And it's interesting, you know, a lot of people we're talking with um, over this last, you know, say 12 months now, it's just so interesting to see how people have developed and, you know, blossomed, you know, into how they can take it more online. And I think it's interesting. I do feel for, you know, for some of the bigger cities, if you look at, you know, central London, for instance, you know, there's a, hasn't been a mass exodus as such, but, it's interesting how, you know, these big companies are actually starting to say, well, well, do we actually need you all in the office? You know, and as I, I was talking to one last week, very bizarrely, and um, they they have had all their all their business life of a protocol. Everyone has to be in the office because their system would only work in the office. And they've now realized it actually is working better with the guys not being in the office than it was with them being in the office. And I think, you know, I can see quite a lot of, uh, some, especially some of the bigger office space in, you know, London, you know, not just London, but I think you will see some big changes over the next two or three years. And I, I think, yeah, we're going to go through an odd phase where there's a lot of things that will fly and fly very nicely, and that'd be for the right reasons. And I think it's some. I think some of it is now just going to be. Well, we've been doing that for forty years. It's actually time for the change. You know, some things just naturally do need to involve and change themselves. Keith, as we're talking, I think my my thought process is evolving in terms of um, you know your business. I think, without a doubt, there is um, there has been a migration away from um, the cities. People are realizing they're not having to work um, seven five days a week, seven days a week, whatever it is, in London, Birmingham, Manchester, wherever they 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 live and having to commute. Um, and they're thinking, well, okay, well, I live in the suburbs. Why am I living in the suburbs? You know, I did that because I had to get to work every day. Now I don't have to get to work every day. Or well, when it reopens, maybe I only need to go to the office one day a week or even one day a month. Well, in that case, well, I could actually live anywhere. Um, yeah, well, actually, do I sell up here, maybe move down to Devon, Cornwall, wherever they want to live, um, maybe not have a mortgage? Um, I can still work for the same company. I, I'm yeah. only having to go in one week once a month so what i wonder um I, I, and we're seeing that definitely and and and, and that's happening whether i and i don't see it changing if i'm honest with you and, and you know businesses across you know 
you know, big, you know, FTSE 100, big you know, organizations, big companies and medium-sized companies, you know, without a doubt, you touched on it, they are reviewing all of their, you know, commercial yeah. property spaces. Um, I think it's, you know, they'll become smaller, more dynamic, um, less people, you know, and, and all the rest of it. But I think off the back of that, what I can potentially see happening is actually you're maybe positioning yourself in the perfect space in terms of targeting more rural locations. Because what's going to happen is all those big boys who are targeting the big urban areas, well, where are those user base going to be living? Are they going to be living there still or are they going to be moving out further? So I wonder whether you're ahead of the curve. I mean, time will tell. And actually all those people who go, I don't have to live here. I can move to more rural locations. You can plant your seed in those rural locations, which will grow as you have more of the professional workforce who may be using those EV cars, um, you know, move to. So I think that's an interesting one. Uh, Isn't it? Which you, you are quite turn, turn out to be the future almost. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's the interesting. So even if you look at, uh, you know, bearing in mind, there's not so many people on the road right now. But if you look at, you know, fleet cars, you might see more people get, a, you know, the old sales rep car back type sort of scenario back on the fleet car back into them. And um, so you might see more of those with the benefit in kind tax at the moment. Obviously, it's beneficial for the company and the employee to actually have electric. So then, you know, then you sort of, like you say, then you sort of go back step stone wise then, because, you know, there's some people that aren't going to be able to charge at home. And um, so then we said, well, you know, I live in, let's say Doverton, for instance, and, you know, because I've come, you know, back home or I've, you know, to the family farm or back into Doverton itself, well, where can I charge? Well, in Doverton at the moment, nowhere. So yeah. that's, you know, so one means that person can't, possibly have the car or unless they just plug into the 13 amp socket you know which you, you can do um and or you know it'll actually allow us to sort of take that type of area so let's put it there you know granted you might only see one person a week use it you know for the first two three years but it's it will grow but it's it's just taking that gamble a little bit definitely and could you even target um i guess the the big corporations who are finding their workforce has become more remote could you actually target them as a as a benefit to their employees that you'll actually install one in each of their homes could that be an angle yeah so we have and we've just been doing some piloting of that actually to be honest with you so you are quite right where we have got some uh, we have got some fleets running at the moment and um so we, we do electrify quite a bit of fleet work and with that you know you've then got the back to home uh, driver in the evening and sometimes it can be a van now not just a car so it's yeah. interesting um and one thing we have seen uh come up a little bit which is interesting is some people say well actually yeah i'm happy for you to put a charger on my wall but i'm not paying for it and i'm not paying for the electric because i'm only charging your vehicle you're giving me you know as a company vehicle so um with that we put a slightly smarter charger in there so we can actually see how much the employee is taken and then we can you know advance if um uh they're being paid via hr we can let hr know you know ben parry had you know 100 kilowatts this month and uh, then they can say well, okay here's your pay and here's your reimbursement for your electric Fantastic, fantastic. Um, yeah, that's that's a really interesting one. I think which will probably emerge uh, as time progresses. Wow. Um, sorry, I've, I've I've diverted. Sorry, because I, I did ask when the start of the business. You said 2017, and we went off on a, a slight curveball. And, and the reason I was asking that was, what did that? And again, um, I know we're sort of almost at an hour in um, to this chat, but um, 
like I said, I like to sort of dive into that pre-launch phase. What did that sort of launch phase look like in terms of the build-up and then and then the launch? Um, well, it started with a lot of head scratching, and um, and actually we were, we were lucky at the time. Obviously, you know, we could travel everywhere, so you know, we very quickly realised, you know, what we needed to what our criteria was then to deploy on the site and then actually what we needed to do. So we spent probably six months working that out. And why it took a bit of time is you, we, we actually started with the driver and we worked backwards. And uh, well, what would the driver want? You know, what, what speed? Did you a particular driver? Or, or would it, was it like a, a particular type? Like, was it like a, I guess, um, uh, like we just touched on somebody who who uses their vehicle like day in day out for work or or is this sort of like more of a yeah. the casual user or, or was it anybody so yeah basically what we look at is we would look at uh, sort of three key areas so and you have three key areas of driver actually so you have the transit drivers which would be the ones that are like you say they're just traveling from say nottingham to penzance and yeah. or you know they're coming down for work uh you know for a week or a couple of days so you look at that type of transit type driver and you know or one that's only in the area for short term then we look at uh you know typically what is in the area of visitor attraction wise so then you know what what you know what type of driver is going to be using that charge point from that sector and how far were they possibly driven you know which you know who comes to that type of area and then so you're sorry can you carry on and then, uh, then we also look at the the local market. You know, who who will you know? If you look at say, let's take rural Devon for instance, you've got someone that may have a plug-in hybrid and or battery car. You know, they're out in the sticks and they're going to come into let's pick Doverton then for instance. You know, they're going to come in and do their bit of shopping or their weekly shop or they got to go to the post office. Then you know they probably will need or would like to you know use the charging point there. And finally, we look at the residents themselves. So you would look to see how many people can park on off-road, how many have to park on-road, and then actually look at, well, shall we offer overnight residential charging? And then yeah. you sort of boot those four together. And then, yeah, so that's how we would typically start. And, and when you started the business in 2017, did you go to that detailed analysis at the beginning, or was that something you sort of figured out as you progressed? Um, so so was that a, was that... You, you were very focused on the audience and you, you knew the audience and so you did that, I guess, audience yeah. insights, bef- you know, when you launched, before you launched, um, or, or was that something that you realized that, oh, actually, we need to be thinking about these as well later? And uh, no, what, well, what actually happened was, so interestingly, we we had started the very first, not very first few weeks, but the first few months, um, and how all sort of born really was the people saying that, you know, local authorities, we haven't got the money to do it. So that's where the, the initial sort of Kickstarter was really, well, how do we now take this forward? And then what that we then a- did, yeah. And then what we then did was then say, well, actually, so we, we brought in um, a, a, a couple more employees into the company. And uh, one of them said, right, you know, I'm, and I'm always a great believer in having some people that, know the industry and some people they're completely green and yes. uh, because quite often you can end up going down your own little road yeah. and think, oh, yeah everything's glossy and it's good to have that other person that's come in doesn't understand it as such and they you know they ask you the questions they might think is a dumb question but actually it gets your head going actually that's a very good point and uh, so what we did figure out very quickly was you know uh nigel come in with us he said look come on guys you know he said who's going to use it so we actually stopped and then said right okay 
let's focus on the user. And then with that, we then then we sort of said, well, what type of car is it going to be? How quick can they charge? How much power is in the area? And we sort of work up to how do, you know what equipment do we want? How are we going to run it? And who's going to pay for it? That's interesting. So if we break that down, the the in, and correct me if I'm wrong. If we break that down, the initial phase before launch there wasn't that detailed an, 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 an analysis, I get that word out, analysis of every type of customer or every type of user. And the business model you thought before launching was, oh, the local authority or whoever it is, you know, yeah. pay, will pay X, Y, and Z to do this because obviously we need to be paid to do it. So that's interesting. Again, for any anyone thinking about starting their business, oft, often, and I, th I think this is so true, often you, you have an idea of maybe – an idea of who the audience is or maybe even not considered it properly um and even the business model or, or even the um commercialization model if that makes sense but for you you, you quickly discovered that when you were having these conversations the commercialization model had to change because of the pressures that all these organizations and businesses faced um, and you managed to pivot that and, and then and you also learned that actually we need to think about more of specific who's going to be using this and and therefore i guess that then helps narrow down targeting areas yes definitely exactly and, and actually another key thing and uh again you know for any entrepreneurs listening in or anyone that's budding to look at startup a company because there's quite a lot of people starting up at the moment the key thing is not to that we find and we always have done is you know you don't just write one business plan and one model and think brilliant job done put it in filing cabinet not see it again and, yeah. And, yeah and or let it cover dust you know i think we so bearing in mind it was 17 we started i think we are on uh version 23 now of our uh, business uh, business uh modeling and also of our, of our forecast and planning and we we check it at the moment we've been checking it every quarter but we normally check it once every six months and you know this it is interesting you know when uh tim and myself sat down back in december you look at version one and two of the business plan and you don't think you know within reason of how how naive were we to think that's what was going to happen but because the industry is just moving so quickly but it's really interesting to see where we started and you know and even if you wind forward three years and look at the, today's business plan you think really you know why do we why do we think that was going to happen that and is fascinating moving. that is fascinating and i think i think that's the thing is not being afraid to just do something and even if even if it's wrong you know you just tweak it tweak it and but how yeah. fascinating to have that almost a history that you can look back on you know and you know, for anybody to look back on that business and go, wow, this is where they started and, and look where, where they got to. I think that is just, you know, a, almost a, a piece of history, almost, that you might exactly. want to sort of look back exactly. on past your grandchildren and say, look, look at this. This is what we started doing. Exactly. And interesting, if you look at uh, a very first few sites we've done, um, they'll probably be our most expensive sites we've ever had. And, uh, and why I say that is because you know, they were built to like, you know, not a Rolls Royce type spec, but, you know, we we went over every sort of detail. And uh, one interesting thing, so on a main public, on a high footfall 
public-facing sites. Uh, our product is uh, typically from either Finland or um, or, or Holland. Uh, that's our two product bases we use. And the reason being is the um, typically at the moment, especially for the public-facing side, the Europeans are slightly ahead with their charging point uh, build and uh, infrastructure within the charging point. So. If you look at one of our uh, uh, charging points we use, which is some of the very first sites we did, you know, I think there's like 13 um, pieces of kit in there, which is actually disabled at the moment, and it is already future-proof that far ahead. So, like, if we went onto wireless charging and or digital charging, anything along that that happened, uh, those, especially those early door charging points, are, have all that in there, and that allowed us to, you know sort of test the sort of the earth so to speak say right you know is this going to work is it not going to work and um the other thing we did do is we got to a point where especially on our first three sites we probably spent say six months deliberating right are we going to do this we're going to do that do we put this in do we put that in and i just come in one day and say guys we got to do it we've let's bite the bullet and we've got to get them in we're not going to know unless we actually really do it so um we we agreed together we said yeah that we have to so we built those first sites out and so pleased we did because we were probably getting a bit too cautious of what we needed to make something we had covered and i'm not saying that the sites we build now are of lesser quality but actually you know quite quickly realize that actually we don't we didn't need to do that because we've over-egged it you know and and it's actually helped us streamline and that's why we've got quite a few additions of our business plan because you know obviously we've took a bit of cost out of some of the operations and actually found where we could streamline and, and that's why you've got to keep updating that yeah definitely i think that's the thing it, it's not a static you know a moment in time or a decision or it, it's a it's a constant evolution isn't it and constant learning um yeah. constant creating and improving and being better and driving to be better not just sitting back and just going oh, you know relax and just roll it out and, and not really worry about it um yeah. I, I think that's a great example of just constantly pushing to be better um and i think you know we all need to strive to do that um just quickly because um, i'm sure you've got other things to be getting on with <laughs> i'm just quickly interested in um how maybe the the the, the i guess the macro environment of us now being an independent nation how that affects things um whether the legislation is likely to you know the government being able to basically make their own rules um whether there's anything coming down the line which is going to help you guys um and whether also then there's opportunities to go you know to other countries europe america australia canada wherever um or, or even or even developing nations what what's what those things look like so interesting. Yeah, we have had a, we have had a few uh, trials and tribulations with um, uh, with you know in January we've actually had one charge point typically, which has come out of Finland. It's a, it's a special one off, and um, I think it's been to the UK and back five times now. And each time it's come in, they said, "Oh, the paperwork wasn't quite right, so I had to go back." And each time they reship it, they say, "Oh no, that one's out of date now. It needs to be oh, this piece." This is the manufacturing. Yeah. Right, okay. So that's been interesting. So that's been a, so that's sort of held us up on a couple of projects right now. Um, but no, in the UK, it's going to be very interesting to see how it does develop now over the next few years. Um, one thing I hadn't mentioned, uh, which is a very key point you did ask, we do also um, run quite a lot of charging infrastructure in Guernsey. So we actually have uh, all the Guernsey post fleet 
uh, run on our, uh, some of our all our chargers that we installed for them. So we've got 48 um, running in there for them. And we've also got the uh, first pilot of the um, BMW Y3s for Guernsey Police. So we've actually we got the charging network in there. We run for them as well. And we run quite a lot of, you know, our own network um, uh, through public car parks and obviously in hotels and stuff on the island. Do a little bit in Jersey, but no, Guernsey's uh, quite a good uh, little place for us. And uh, weirdly, uh, because we have um, a, a director who is a Gibraltarian, and uh, we actually do have uh, quite a few charging points in Gibraltar running. So it's... Um, Although I haven't actually been there for a long time, it seems ages ago since I was there. But no, it's been quite good, you know, for us down there. And it's very early doors down there, but it's it's you know it's very slow, but it will it will come. Fantastic. But no, it is interesting, you know, how that's building. And then back to the UK, yeah, you know, we we do uh, just starting some new work in Northern Ireland. But of course, you know, now with the Brexit and some of the other little bits and bobs going on, we've had a you know, there's a few little tweaks we're having to look at you know, to that area. Um, but I think for the UK on zones, yeah, I think this year is going to be very interesting to see how things pick up. And I, and I do think, uh, regretfully, you know, we had this sort of all the risk with the pandemic going on at the same time. So it's sort of like, you know, which which do you focus on a little bit? And I would say, you know, all the way out to government's probably got that sort of problem. Um, you know, and you do feel, you know, you feel for the fishermen, you know, or their industry, there's, you know, it's going, to be, okay, it's going to be quite a rough way for them for a few years. And it's, but yeah, I think, you know, we will get there. <laughs> no, 100%, 100%. Keith, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, it's It's been delightful. It's been fascinating. Some great, interesting insights, both into your business sector um, and also your own sort of journey. I think, I think that's been great. And hopefully, um, you know, uh, the audience and, and certainly myself will will take a lot of uh yeah great sort of learnings and lessons i think that's what it's all about so yeah thank you for sharing and upon my talk ben and i just like to say so thank you for uh, for the invitation i really enjoyed especially coming on to the live uh the live uh, podcast as well it's actually brilliant to go and do that with you and um yeah just want to say you know some good questions and also i must admit since uh, you first uh, introduced me to yourself back along i've really enjoyed your podcast through time as well as some very good companies and people you uh, you know interviewed and some very good questions so top marks to you oh thank you keith you're far too kind <laughs> and i'm looking forward to that point of tribute one day absolutely absolutely <laughs> let's get it soon i can't wait for the pubs to reopen <laughs> exactly that'd be nice won't it be really really good Definitely. All right, Keith, you take care. Okay, thank you for all the viewers as well and hope you enjoyed it and thank you again, Ben. Brilliant. Take care. Okay, take care. Thank you.